More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Thursday edition, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your day, maybe an early start to the weekend. Right off the top here, we want to honor all of you out there who are listening, who are veterans, who have helped to ensure that the United States is the greatest country that has ever existed in the history of mankind and that we are able to enjoy the freedoms that we have because of the sacrifices of you and so many others out there. Many of us out there have family members who have served. Uh, My most recent family member who has served, my uncle, was in Vietnam, uh, spent substantial time over there. And Buck, right off the top here, and we're going to get into a lot of different stories. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial is ongoing. The impact of inflation and the absolutely bonkers argument that spending trillions of dollars more on Joe Biden's agenda is going to somehow make things better. One of the best days that I've ever gotten to experience in my life, I got to go to the beaches of Normandy. Several years ago, my wife set up a all-day tour, and we took the whole family. We had a tour guide there in Normandy, ended in the American Cemetery, and it is, as a military history buff, an incredible experience because so much of that beaches of Normandy, all of the areas that we stormed on D-Day, much of it looks the exact same as it did then. There are still German bunkers with the weapons inside of them. The farmland still exists much as it did 70 years ago. And when you stand on some of those bluffs and look down at the beaches, what those guys accomplished is truly almost unfathomable, even more impressive to have seen it in person. And I know you are a history buff as well. And so as we start off this day, this Veterans Day, it's definitely a moment to ponder, think about, contemplate what everyone has given so that we have the opportunity and ability to have the freedoms that we have every single day. Absolutely, Clay. I remember being a CIA analyst deployed overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan and spending a lot of time with military, including those who were 
going outside the wire, the risks they were taking day in and day out. I was just there in a support role for them as a civilian. They would come back, and not all of them did come back, um, and they sometimes would come back with uh, with grievous wounds. I was there when they were calling home to worried loved ones. I sat next to them in the mess hall. I sat next to them in Blackhawks and, and uh, Humvees and uh, was exposed to what they are having to carry, the burden that they deal with day in and day out is actually those wearing the uniform and they are the reason we have what we have. And I think we remember that now today, but it's something we should remember every day. Without them, this is none of this. The show we do, the people that are living in unbelievable. I, I know we have a lot of challenges we talk about on this show, and there are problems that America faces. And yes, we are in a time where tyranny feels like it is it is rising. I'll be honest with you. But this is still, to Clay's initial point, the greatest, freest country the world has ever known and it is because of, it is only possible because of those who have worn the uniform. So a heartfelt thanks from both of us to all of you today. No doubt at all. Now, we're going to have some veterans uh, on the show with us in the second hour talking about what they are doing in particular for Veterans Day so that you are aware. But, Buck, we spent a lot of yesterday. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial is still ongoing. And after yesterday's testimony from Kyle Rittenhouse, the Blue Check Brigade has lost its mind as they suddenly become aware, wait a minute, all of these lies that we spread about Kyle Rittenhouse, calling him a murderer, uh, saying that he was the equivalent of a school shooter. I'm reading direct quotes from MSNBC and CNN, a 17-year-old vigilante, a domestic terrorist, a deeply racist murderer. Now the attacks from people like LeBron James, I'm assuming that you saw this, and I know that a lot of our audience did as well. Uh, LeBron came out and said, "What?" T- LeBron is almost 40. Uh, he's 37 years old, I believe, a g- fully grown man. Uh, LeBron James went on Twitter and said, what tears? I didn't see one. Knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court with three different smiley faces, uh, emoticons. Now, LeBron has previously tried to dox police officers. There's a very strong argument that LeBron is done more as an athlete to divide America than maybe any athlete in the 21st century. Colin Kaepernick probably is number one on this list, but LeBron James is up there to a high degree. And a lot of what he has spread are blatant falsehoods. And for him to go after Kyle Rittenhouse, and by the way, LeBron is just a proxy for a lot of other blue check brigade members, the left wing woke cognoscenti, if you want to call them. He's a famous elite. I mean, an ultra elite, really. To go after a 17 year old kid who is taking the witness stand and defending his actions is. Really low, even for LeBron James, who has set some low floors before. And he's he's certainly not the only one. There was uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who said, essentially, yes. lock him up and throw away the key. Here, Here's what the trial has actually shown. First of all, there have been a lot of very ignorant leftists, Democrats. Yes. We can use these terms interchangeably, folks, because the Democrat Party is the left. There have been a lot of ignorant leftists who don't care that what they thought about this about the situation with Kyle Rittenhouse and Kenosha was untrue, meaning the facts. I'm not even talking about the judgment call of whether self-defense, which I think clearly it was, but put put aside that for a moment. They were wrong on the facts. A lot of people think that he just went and shot people at a BLM 
rally, like a peaceful yes. protest or something. This is what you're actually seeing based on some of the social media response here. He actually shot three white guys who were rioters, Balance. one of whom was a convicted child rapist, multiple counts, convicted child rapist. These are people who attacked him. It's clear the facts show it. But, Clay, what's amazing is have have has a single blue check leftist come out and said, you know what? I was entirely I was wrong on the facts and wrong on this case. This was I disagree with Rittenhouse. I disagree with him having the air 15 to all the things that they could say. But I understand that this is not what I thought it was. And I was wrong to say say what I did. Absolutely not, because it is about the narrative. It is about power. It is someone who stood up against the BLM machine destroying cities and that upsets the left. That's really his sin more than anything else is that he took into his own hands the decision to defend himself and a community that the elites and the Democrats abandoned. Not only the elites and the Democrats, so many leaders allowed this to happen all over the country rather than confront and end the rioting, which was designed to try to embarrass, let's be honest, President Trump and was in many ways stoked and fomented to try to diminish his chances of reelection, which is still going on right in November of last year. All the plywood was put up in cities all over America, not because Joe Biden was going to win, but because the expectation was the rioters, the pillaging, the looting. All of it was going to happen again if Trump won. And so this kid and again, I, I think it's important to emphasize this from a legal perspective. You can disagree with the risk that he took to be out in the streets with a weapon and still and still believe that he had the right to defend himself. I've said many times on the show, and you have two, Buck, but for me as a father of three young boys, I would not allow them at all, certainly when they're minors, to be out protesting, to be out marching, to be out in the streets at all with what we saw going on last summer. But this kid was there, and he was trying to protect businesses in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that were being allowed to burn down, that were being allowed to be looted, pillaged, and he ended up having to defend himself from three men with violent criminal history backgrounds uh, on their rap sheets. By the way, three white guys... Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that had no idea because they say BLM protest and because they label him a white supremacist and a racist. Yeah. There are as a lot of shooting minorities, a lot of of crazy, you know, white communists at BLM protests. Just remember, yes. if you go to a BLM Portland protest, it's 90 percent white, white guys. guys who, you know, watch MSNBC, who are pretending they care so much about minority communities by undermining police. Uh, which, as we know, has had horrible results. BLM BLM has made everything worse for everybody as a movement. It's embarrassing how many different companies, politicians, organizations bent the knee to them in 2020 yes. and were terrified of them. There, there should be a real introspection that comes from all this because it just, it just made everything worse. It burned down cities. It made the murder rate go up. It has Thousands done nothing people are beneficial. Dead that would otherwise be alive. People are dead who would otherwise be alive. But I think the, the LeBron James case, he's not the only one who says, Incredibly stupid things about specifically Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, you know, Joe Scarborough and his show. I mean, he's he's a complete idiot. I mean, there's a lot of people that have said dumb things. 
But what you see with LeBron is it's interesting. He's got 50 million Twitter followers. So I feel yes. like this is why we have to you have to dispel. Usually I would say we ignore stupid celebrities and athletes, uh, stupid actors, athletes, celebrities. But he's got enough influence. Remember the Makia Bryant case where the, where the young, oh, yeah. young woman was swinging a knife. At trying another to kill girl, another one, black woman, one, one black young woman black girl trying to kill another black, trying woman. to kill another black girl, and LeBron James went after the police officer, said the police officer, you know, essentially docks the police officer, and and what you see is it didn't matter what the facts were there. With Rittenhouse, you have video of people, including the serial child rapist, trying to assault and beat him while while Rittenhouse has his his rifle in his hands. The facts don't matter either. It's they don't like. The target here. They don't like the cops. They don't like Rittenhouse. The facts of these cases, as you see, don't change the opinions of many people on the left who weigh in on this because they just view it as it's like a team sport. Oh, I have to go after. I go after the cops. I go after Rittenhouse. Doesn't matter if I'm lying. Doesn't matter even what the facts are. And that is where so many media. This is, to a certain extent, Nicholas Sandman like the Covington Catholic Step standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial story where and you know this buck I've done television before where you're supposed to talk about an issue and you start talking about an issue and you recognize that somebody else on television hasn't done the bare minimum of research hasn't even bothered to read a few articles hasn't bothered to inform themselves about the facts of a case at all and that happens a lot and people go on television and they shoot off at the lip calling a kid a murderer before he's been convicted, first of all, is a incredibly prejudicial statement to make because it implies a crime was committed on its face. People died, but it doesn't mean that he is a murderer. Certainly calling him a white supremacist, calling him a racist, implies that the people he shot at the BLM protest were targeted based on their race and that he was basically hunting, as LeBron James said, and trying to kill a minority at a BLM protest. All of this is about creating an atmosphere where the community as a whole is so uncertain and terrified of what the results of the case are going to be that jurors are intimidated to potentially give a guilty verdict, not based on the facts of the case, but based on what they're afraid might happen to them and to their community if they do not find someone guilty. We're going to talk about a BLM founder here in new york city had some words for the mayor elect of new york about cops and what blm's going to do the streets of america's largest city if they don't get their way oh we will get into that in a few moments so please stay with us mike lindell is the inventor of my pillow and he's got just the most amazing products uh, clay and i are both outfitted clay's family and, and me at home my family my parents we love all the my pillow products It'll help you get a great night's sleep. First of all, the pillows won't go flat. You can wash and dry them constantly. And importantly, they're made here in the USA. And for a limited time, Mike is offering his My Pillows, which are the ones that started it all, started it all for his lowest price ever. You can get a standard My Pillow for $19.98, originally $69.98. Clay, that's a $50 savings, but folks have to use the promo code Clay and Buck. No doubt. Mike's also extending his money-back guarantee trial until March 1st of next year. How do you get hooked up? Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and enter the promo code CLAYANDBUCK, or call 800-792-3269 for these great radio specials. I'm 
Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Staff Sergeant Jonathan Killian Dozer. Specialist Chad Hayden Drake. Specialist Christopher Rashawn Drake. Welcome back in. That has been going on since 8 a.m. this morning at the Lincoln Memorial, where Tunnel to Towers is reading over 7,000 names, the people who lost their lives to the war on terror. We will talk with the Tunnel to Towers crew and also some of the veterans that are involved in putting on this event at the Lincoln Memorial today, later in the program in the second hour. But Buck... UTs. We were talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case and the BLM protests that happened all during the summer of 2020, and they may not be over. We have a new mayor coming into office in New York City soon. Eric Adams, former police officer, uh, seems to be somewhat better than Bill de Blasio, at least based on what he said early on. But the BLM leader of New York is letting it be known that he potentially is going to bring back the riots to the city of New York. He's making threats. Here is, I believe it's cut 27, BLM's New York leader threatening the new mayor. 
If they think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, then we are going to take to the streets again. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. So there's no way that we're going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people. Right? We pray for peace, but black opportunities prepares for the worst. We have people in city council who can create problems for him. We have people in the streets who can create problems for this administration by shutting it down. Buck, you're a New York City resident. You lived through a lot of the violent protests that took place in the summer of 2020. What's your reaction to hearing this from the BLM's leader? It's not surprising at all when you understand what BLM is really all about. BLM is a Marxist anti-police movement that seeks power, ultimately. It's based on a lie, the lie being that there is systemic murdering of unarmed black men by law enforcement in America without any consequence to those officers. That is just flatly, crazily untrue. They do this, though. They they spread this lie, and then they constantly change what the movement is supposed to be about. I mean, Clay, I'll tell you, one of my last appearances on CNN as it was losing its losing its mind as a news organization entirely, I was debating on Wolf Blitzer's uh, Wolf Blitzer's show uh, during the Obama. I was still during the Obama administration, the very end of the Obama administration. BLM with uh, Van Jones at the time, and I said these are the kinds of things because I said on air I said this is an anti-police movement, and they say oh that's not true. This is an anti-police brutality movement. I said no no. I've been at the BLM protest covering it as a member of the media. They shout that cops are racist murderers. That's the chant yes. that they're all making. They shout pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. There is an anti-police animus that is central to the ethos of the Black Lives Matter movement. You hear it from this individual here. And let me just add to this, Clay, when he's talking about the Gestapo-like tactics, specifically, we're looking here in New York City at about a 600-person plain clothes anti-violent crime unit these are cops who are handpicked they're the best of the best these guys are well known within the mipd and their whole thing is to know the streets and to stop violence on the streets sometimes that means they have to wrestle violent felons to the ground sometimes it means they have to actually use force as officers why is blm so opposed this BLM leader, for example, so opposed to reinstituting the plainclothes special unit meant to stop violent crime on the streets. How could that be justified, Clay? It isn't remotely justified. And this is one of the big failures of our media because, Buck, as we've said, the Democratic Party labeling everything as racist has real influence because so many white people are terrified of being labeled racist that they won't even address that video threatening violence if police do their jobs i mean think about how wild that is the black lives matter protesters in new york city are threatening to burn the city down effectively if police do their jobs protecting that should be disproportionately high crime areas of the city where a lot of black and latino new yorkers live by the way this should be something where if joe biden was actually a decent leader at all he would come out and say Look, police aren't perfect, but threatening to burn down a city over them doing their jobs after a year where we have seen a skyrocketing murder rate where the victims are overwhelmingly minorities in inner cities is 
fundamentally the exact opposite of what an organization that claims to care about the betterment of its people would be arguing for. But the Democratic Party is so enthralled to the everything is racist mantra that even though Joe Biden probably agrees with that, and even though lots of Democratic politicians agree with that, they're so terribly afraid of being called racist that they won't say what I just said. Isn't it also remarkable how the only law enforcement that the organized Democrat left absolutely backs without question yes. the cops of the Capitol Hill police, particularly the cop who shot an unarmed female protester in the neck from, you know, 15 feet away through a door. They are not to be questioned, Clay. Uh, law enforcement, the prosecutor specifically in Kenosha, a great American hero, this guy, uh, a binger, I believe his name yes. is, right? Uh, he, he's this is the system working the way it's supposed to. The only law enforcement that the left backs are those instruments of the law enforcement community that can be used as a political weapon against their opponents. And also note the notion of the left as people who care about constitutional protections and civil liberties that evaporates oh, the yes. moment the narrative goes against them. That evaporates. Well, and you mentioned Hakeem Jeffries, a New York politician, Buck. He doesn't want anybody to go to prison, but he tweeted that he wants Kyle Rittenhouse to go to prison and he wants them to lock up, uh, lock him up and throw away the key. Yeah, he he's a uh, he's a representative. I think he represents, yeah, New York's eighth congressional here. So, you know, he's a guy who you would think maybe would believe in the presumption of innocence. And you would say to yourself, well, no, of course not, because it's Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. Who stood, remember, Kyle Rittenhouse's crime more than anything else. As far as the left is concerned, is not that he was even carrying an AR-15, which is legal, legal in this state. It's just a semi-automatic rifle. I know it's a scary looking semi-automatic rifle. Uh, it, it's not that even he defended himself because they, you know, they'll oppose self-defense sometimes just because of who the victim or who the attacker may be. It's because he stood in the way of the BLM riot and you're not allowed to do that. That's all that matters to them. Everything else is irrelevant. The facts of the case, you could have signed confessions, Clay, by the guys or by the by the one surviving member who says, you know what? I shouldn't have attacked him. It was wrong. I shouldn't have been there. And you would still have the left saying that Rittenhouse deserves to be locked up forever and is a bad guy. They don't care what the facts of the case are and bring it back to BLM here in New York City. It's gotten more violent. More people have died. More people have been shot. They got rid of a unit, a 600-person plainclothes unit that was well-known for its effectiveness in stopping. They're not harassing people for loose cigarettes. These guys go after people who are carrying guns or knives or other weapons and intending to use them to harm innocent people, and they disband that unit, Clay? This is insane. And Eric Adams is talking about bringing it back, which is going to be an interesting battle inside of the Democratic Party. And this is what we talked about. With Trump no longer there, many of the battles right now the Democratic Party are fighting are not external versus Republicans. They're internal within their own party. They've got a real civil war going. They, they do, and I don't know how it's going to resolve itself. 800-282-2882 if you want to weigh in on either Rittenhouse trial or BLM leadership here in New York City threatening the mayor-elect with uh, you know fire and brimstone on the streets if they bring back effective policing that seems pretty crazy to any rational person anyway uh call us 800-282-2882 your dog my dog they should be given the best food and the best supplements possible to live a long healthy life 
Most dog food is dead food, meaning that all dry dog food has to be manufactured so that it can last on the shelf for years. So they have to sterilize it, right? Well, there's a lot of live microbacteria, good stuff that would be in your dog's food that's gone because of that sterilization process. Probiotics, enzymes, vitamins, omega oils, antioxidants. Just the way that you need that stuff, your dog needs that stuff too. That's why we recommend Rough Greens, a healthy supplement you put into your dog's food with all the live nutrients necessary for superior dog health. Rough Greens is 100% vegan, no GMOs, antibiotics, hormones, artificial colors, or sweeteners. Rough Greens will make your dog healthier by making the dog food that you're already giving your dog better. What you get is a happier, healthier dog, like Tallulah, the family Frenchie in the Sexton household. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love Rough Greens, they have a special deal for you. Go to roughgreens.com slash EIB, and they're going to give you the first bag free. That's R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash EIB, roughgreens.com slash EIB. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. It is Veterans Day. We're going to talk more about Veterans Day in the third hour of the program. We'll go hang out with our friends from Tunnel to Towers as they are spending the day honoring all of those who have given their lives as part of the War on Terror today at the Lincoln Memorial. They are honoring all those people. We'll discuss that with you in the third hour of the program. Joe Biden is out at Arlington National Cemetery today, and this is unfortunate, but the guy just can't even speak. Uh, and so you can imagine the reaction if Donald Trump had pulled this uh, pulled this angle. Here's Joe Biden trying to honor Negro League pitcher Satchel Page and totally bungling that read off the teleprompter. Here it is. I know you're a little younger than I am, but, uh, you know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time pitcher in the Negro Leagues went on to become a great pitcher in the pros into the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name was Satchel Page. So Biden trying to say Negro Leagues instead says he's adopted the mantra of the great Negro. Look, I mean, this guy just as Thanksgiving gets closer, Buck, every single time it feels like we hear Joe Biden speak, he's deteriorating right before our eyes and i bring up that this in conjunction with thanksgiving because so many people out there are going to be unfortunately surrounded by someone at their thanksgiving uh who is not in control of the mental faculties not as sharp as they used to be and we know what that experience is like the difference is that person is not running the country that is what is going on right now joe biden has always been a gaff machine now, though, you add to that, he is a visibly declining gaffe machine. Yes. And it's so interesting that the media for many years, and you saw this particularly under the eight years of the, of the Obama administration, Biden would say things that for another politician, a Republican politician, would have been a scandal, a huge problem. You know, he would have he said things that were uh, would be considered by the left to be insensitive, right, depending running the range from insensitive to actually pretty problematic and because he's joe biden it was oh oh he's he's like the cuddly old you know crazy uncle you know he's the old grandpa you can and this is just going to show that the once again they create narratives that are useful for them politically that are not rooted in what is true or what is obvious certainly not rooted in what is fair to both sides or the way that they would treat joe biden if he were 
a Republican. And right now, his administration has really nothing to point to to show success over this year. There's nothing that they can say. Look at what a great job we've done on this issue. You were right to vote for me. Nothing. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, do you feel anybody out there that Joe Biden's going to solve inflation? I was just talking about going back and saying, okay, why was inflation so high in October of 1990? Well, because the fear was that there was going to be a great oil shortage in the United States because Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait. What can you point to that is similarly going to be resolving itself? Five straight months, we've had inflation over 5% as it has continued to grow far greater in duration than anybody at the Fed said, than anybody in the uh, Biden White House said it would be. What is going to occur that is going to make this better anytime soon? I can't see the Biden administration's economic policies improving any of the economic uh, situation in the United States. In fact, worse if they pour more trillions of dollars in. Fundamentally, right now, the people in charge of the federal government believe that they are better stewards of your capital, for all of you listening to this, they, they make better decisions with your money than you do. And I think that if you're looking for a root fallacy, if you're looking for the foundational wrongness, is that they think we'll spend the public's money better than individuals who make up the public will by being able to keep and keep the value of their money. That's where the problems arise. And they're totally wrong. And it's not just the economy, obviously. Inflation is a disaster. A lot of you can't get to work. Uh, COVID is rearing its ugly head again. The border is a mess. Murder rates skyrocketing. I don't feel like Biden can solve any of that. And his malapropisms over and over and over again are just seeming to be getting worse. This may be the easiest question of the day. How many days this week will you wake up in agonizing pain? It's really an easy question. If the answer is more than one day this week, let's see if we can help you get out of that. Our friends at Relief Factor have a three-week quick start pack. You take Relief Factor three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, for three weeks, and you'll know if it works for you. Hundreds of thousands of people have tried, including Buck's dad and my wife. 70% of them have gone on to order more. That's amazing odds. Relief Factor works for 7 out of 10 people. Are you one of those 7 who will live their life in less pain? You can try it out yourself. Join the more than half million people. Order the 3-week quick start for only 19.95. That is an incredible offer right now. Relieffactor.com 800 for relief 19.95 3-week quick start relieffactor.com 800 the number 4. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Petty Officer Second Class, Danny Philip Dietz Jr. Specialist Jeremiah Joseph DiGiovanni, Lance Corporal Anthony Alejito Del Cilio. Welcome back in Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show. What you just heard, Tunnel the Towers Foundation reading the 7,070 men and women who have lost their lives in the war on terror live Lincoln Memorial starting at 8 a.m. Eastern this morning. We've been certainly honoring veterans all throughout today's program. We're joined now by a man with a very inspiring story who has done and been doing incredible work ever since he came out of the armed forces. He is Richard Yerish, uh, who is a sergeant, joined the Army in 2004, inspired by the story of a fallen soldier near his hometown of Windsor, New York. And uh, Sergeant uh, Yarish, we really appreciate you joining us here. And I want to let you tell us about a day that your life changed forever when you were part of a military mission in Iraq on September 1st of 2006. And thank you in advance for your service. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to uh, be with you today. Um, it's a special day, that's for sure. Uh, getting to read some of these names and uh, getting to really let people hear the names of uh, some of the most important Americans uh, that we'll ever know. So, um, gosh, it's been 15 years. It's hard to believe it's been 15 years, but September 1st, 2006, uh, when I was on patrol in Iraq, um, the day of infamy, but it's also the day I say that's the best day of my life because it led me to amazing places. Um, but that day, my vehicle, Bradley fighting vehicle that I was riding in, I was gunning was hit with an IED, and uh, the IED went through the bottom of the vehicle into the turret where I was sitting, and also in the turret is where we have our fuel tank. So the IED hit the fuel tank, covering me, my two buddies who were in the vehicle with me, uh, and the vehicle in fuel, and instantly uh, we were on fire. Now, I, I knew I had to get out of the vehicle. If I had any chance to survive, it was the first thing I had to do, and climbed out through the top. Uh, once I got to the top, then I knew I had to get to the ground, and the problem was I had to jump because I had no other time. I didn't have time to climb down. I had to jump, and it's about 10 feet off of the ground. So when I jumped and I landed, I couldn't brace myself for the landing because of the smoke and the fire, so I couldn't see the ground. So when I landed, I broke my leg, 
and I actually severed an artery in my leg. And when I was in the hospital, they amputated my right leg uh, below the knee. Then I rolled into a canal that I had no idea was there, but the canal had just enough water in it to put the fire out. Eventually, a couple of my friends found me, carried me up to the top of the canal, and about a half hour later, the helicopters got there, took me and my two buddies to the hospital, and uh, that helicopter ride was unfortunately the last time that I ever saw and talked to uh, my good buddy, Sergeant Luis Montez, ever again, and I was honored to be able to read his name today, and it's a name I say every single day of my life, but I was honored to read it in front of a a whole uh, big group of people today. Sergeant Yarosh, uh, it's Buck. I want to know if you would just tell us then about um, your road to recovery and and what happened when you came back stateside and and how you went from dealing with this uh, obviously incredibly traumatic incident in combat to now being somebody who goes around the country and and speaks and and inspires others. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, in the beginning... It didn't start like that. I wasn't inspiring anyone. I wasn't inspiring myself. I was a mess. Uh, I ended up being in the hospital for six months. And then when I got, when I got out of the hospital, I didn't even know if I wanted to leave the hospital because, um, when I was in my hospital room and people came into my room, no one was surprised by what they saw because they saw me every day. My doctors, my nurses, my family, uh, visitors who had been there many times. But now I was about to leave that and I'm burned 60% of my body. My face has uh, been totally reconstructed. Half of my nose is gone. I have my ears are gone. Uh, my lips are different. Half of my hair is gone. Uh, my face is totally burned. And when I left the hospital, it was very obvious that people were noticing. I mean, they honestly would have had to been blind to not. And it was tough for me, especially with children, because, you know, I came home to a grateful nation and adults were hope- waiting for me with open arms. But children did not see that. They saw me as a scary monster. And uh, I had a day where my life was changed forever in the sense that I was shown acceptance from a little kid. I was in a restaurant, and this uh, little girl was sitting with her family across from me, staring at me, afraid. I could tell she was afraid. And her grandfather was sitting with her, and he was probably military being in San Antonio, and he probably recognized that I was. But he leaned down to her and quietly said, go say hi to him. And she didn't want to come over to me. She was too afraid. So he said it again, go say hi to him. And this time she did start to come over. Uh, She got halfway over as nicely as I could say to her. I said, Hey, how you doing? But when I said that she stopped dead in her tracks again, like she saw a monster and she turned around and she ran back to her grandpa as fast as she could. And really in that moment, it was just like, you have to get used to this, Rick. This is the way your life will always be. You're always going to look different. And that's how I felt that little girl. She got back to her grandpa and she said, grandpa, He's really nice. That's not what I thought she was going to say. But I'm telling you right now, that five-year-old, six-year-old little girl, I was a 25-year-old soldier, wounded soldier, and she fixed a lot of those wounds that day. She fixed a lot of those things. She gave me courage and confidence to go out and be able to tell my story. And now I go into elementary schools, and I have no problem talking to those kids, really because of one situation in my life that changed my life forever. But now I get the opportunity to go all over the country and speak to students mostly um, about hope and hopelessness. And I know a lot about those things. And uh, they've changed my life in a very, very positive way. Sergeant, what has Tunnel to Towers done for you? This audience has donated over $5 million to Tunnel to Towers. 
what have they done, the organization, for you, and what have you seen them doing for others? I mean, other than change my life, <laughs> that's that's the question. I mean, they've changed my life. So not only has Tunnel to Towers changed my life, but the people that have donated that $5 million has changed my life. They built me a home. They built me a home that was easy for me to live in. And that's a lot to say because it's not easy for me to live in certain spaces. Um, if I go to a hotel, even if it's handicap accessible, it wasn't built for me. It's hard to get around in. But I was able to have a home that I feel extremely comfortable in and that my family feels extremely comfortable in, which is the most important thing to me. Having my family feel comfortable, having my family feel safe, that's what Tunnel to Towers has done for me. They've changed my life. And not only did they build me a home, but when I got involved with the organization, my family grew big time. My family grew by 100 people that were in this organization because whenever I need something or if I need help with something or if I need someone to talk to, they would pick up the phone any time of the day and help me out. U.S. Army Sergeant Rick Yarish, uh, sir, Thank you for your service, your sacrifice, and your courage. We greatly appreciate it. We thank you for being with us here today on the show. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you. You've heard so many good stories today of the work of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation from their chairman, Frank Siller, and, and soldiers they're looking after, like Rick. The good work they're doing each day is made possible by donations from you in this audience and so many Americans who feel compelled to help the families of our first responders and our soldiers and their families. Choosing to share just $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers Foundation is making all the difference. This is an organization that's able to provide 200 mortgage-free homes to the families of soldiers and first responders who need the security of a smart home. Like today's recognition of our fallen soldiers in the war on terrorism, Tunnel the Towers Foundation is dedicated to doing good. Help them continue to do that. Don't. And how do you do it? By donating just $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.